Welcome to the New Arab Voices News Digest. I'm Gaia Karamazza. And I'm Daniel Hijaji. And this week, we're covering the controversy surrounding Disney's live-action remake of Mulan, including the movie's role in China's repression of Uyghur Muslims. Stay tuned to hear interviews with Hong Kong-born writer Jeanette Ng and Uyghur activist Rahima Mahmoud. What you just heard is a group of protesters in Seoul, South Korea, encouraging a boycott of Disney's live-action remake of its 1998 classic Mulan, which was released last week. The film is based on the legend of Hua Mulan, a young woman who disguises herself as a man and takes the place of her father in China's imperial army. I think she was what a a lot of little girls aspired to become as they became older. So to see this movie be caught in such a big storm of controversy, I think, interests a lot of us that watched the movie when we were quite young. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm kind of bummed out that Mushu isn't in it anymore, but I guess I'm going to have to live with it. Oh my god, I, I can't Mushu. believe they got I know. rid of Mushu. Mushu is the best character. <laughs> but Mushu was quite Americanized, to be fair. Like, I think that um, this time around, they just wanted to... I mean, I remember reading reports that they wanted to be more faithful to the folklore and... It was an all-Chinese cast, and it wasn't really catering to, like, American audiences anymore. So, mm. you know, in, in concept, in theory, <laughs> it should have been, yeah. It you know, it should have been good. Um, but yeah, it was just embroiled in a lot of issues, um, you know, bef- since before it was even released. So this movie cost $200 million to produce, not cheap. And due to COVID-19, it was released, you know, straight to streaming on Disney+. Plus. And today, it will be screening across Chinese cinemas. So the issues that kind of plagued this remake of Mulan began last year when its lead actress, Yu Yifei, voiced support for Hong Kong police on social media. Um, And, you know, she made that statement at a time when Hong Kongers were out in the streets. They were protesting Beijing's influence over the region. And police were... You know, it was well documented. Police were cracking down rather violently on protesters. And actually, at the time that these protests were happening, the Hong Kong protesters chose to kind of give the title of the real Mulan to the Hong Kong activist, Agnes Chow, who um, was recently arrested under... Um, China's new national security law in Hong Kong, which places the security of and the free speech of these activists in danger. Yeah, so the most prominent um, Hong Kong democracy activists urged for a global boycott of Mulan then. This was well before the movie's release, obviously, it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week, the calls to boycott it were renewed. And this time, you know, internet users from Taiwan, from Thailand, and mm-hmm. a bunch of other corners of the world participated. So Boycott Mulan trended on Twitter, and the hashtag Ban Mulan also circulated around social media. Mm-hmm. And this was after, obviously the film was released last week. So people who saw the movie noticed in the end credits 
that Disney expressed special thanks to eight government entities in China's Xinjiang region, and the recipients of Disney's gratitude included the Public Security Bureau in Turpan, and that is a city in eastern Xinjiang where multiple internment camps for China's Uyghur Muslim population have been documented. And this Public Security Bureau, it administers the internment camps where a number of human rights abuses have taken place. The abuses that have been documented in Zhengzhang are just appalling. There have been claims of drone footage taken of the, ca- the internment camps in Zhengzhang that people have uh, compared to Holocaust camps in, in Nazi Germany. Like, you just see rows and rows of prisoners being taken into trains into these camps where they're stripped of their identity, um, told not to speak their own language and practice their own culture and are indoctrinated, basically, reports have claimed, uh, into the Communist Party's propaganda and its values um, and its teachings. And on top of all of this, some of the most recent investigations into Xinjiang show that Chinese authorities are actually coercing Uyghur women into using contraception to curb the community's population. Adrian Zenz was the lead China scholar who compiled the report which came out in June of this year. And he said the Chinese authorities could be responsible for genocide under international law. There's a systemic effort to uh, depress population growth among the minorities, coupled with an effort to bring in a large number of Han Chinese settlers to the region. This situation and atrocity, we used to call it cultural genocide, and it is cultural genocide, But in light of the new data, we must reappraise the situation and acknowledge that we have evidence of what one could potentially call demographic genocide. The Chinese Communist Party denies any claims that they have infringed human rights, let alone carried out a genocide. They claim they use the internment camps to re-educate alleged violent terrorists. Rahima Mahmoud is a Uyghur activist who was forced to flee China due to her work championing the rights of her community. She said she was angered to hear that Disney was working with and thanking the regional authorities, which threatened the very existence of her people. I think every individual, every organization, they should have this moral standard. What is happening to my people is not just uh, some human rights violation. We are talking about genocide. Children taken away. They are in a children's camps going through complete brainwashing process. The parents taken away to camps. The U.S. government uh, been quite vocal. Uh, Human Rights Act passed in the, in the Congress and has sanctioned the U.S. government, sanctioned many Chinese officials involved in the in the abuse and some companies, etc. So there is no excuse for Disney say that we didn't know. Therefore, I feel this is outrageous. It's unbelievable. And for, for the public to pay money to, to, to watch this film, this is a completely propaganda for the Chinese government. So that was Uyghur activist Rahima Mahmoud. And another interesting element that uh, pertains to the Xinjiang facet of this controversy is that, according to The Guardian, filming for Mulan began in 2018. And that was when China ramped up construction of these camps in Xinjiang. And Turpan was actually the first documented case of the re-education camps that Mahmoud mentioned. Um, And they're reported to, you know, indoctrinate 
um, Uyghurs in an effort to supposedly eradicate religious extremism. And I also wanted to mention that another notable recipient of Disney's special thanks is the publicity department of CPC Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomy Region Committee, which is the Chinese Communist Party's uh, propaganda department in Xinjiang. So this is all pretty sinister, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, especially considering that, you know, Uyghurs aren't just an ethnic minority, but they're also a religious minority. And because they're Muslims, there is extra attention that should be given to them because of the rise in Islamophobic discourse internationally, but also domestically. In China, there's been campaigns to depict Uyghurs as these violent terrorists, which kind of fits the post 9-11 American discourse that, you know, if you're a Muslim, if you're of, of that religion, you're just automatically a terrorist. Because actually, the real reason why they're persecuting these Muslims, I mean, obviously, the, the narrative around it is to uh, vilify them in the eyes of the Han Chinese, who are the ruling ethnicity in China. But the real reason why the Chinese state is so intent in deploying its rule in Xinjiang is because it's one of the regions with the largest amount of natural gas and uh, the most valuable resources to the Chinese state. So they're trying to kind of make sure that they can control that region because economically it's one of the most important uh, regions of China. Um, so this, you know, the, the thanking of these departments, of the government, of the regional government, who has been completely complicit in constructing these camps and allegedly they have targets that they're trying to reach where at least one third of Uyghur women need to be sterilized each year. I mean, it's just, it's terrifying. When it comes to villains, um, Disney is, ha it does have a history uh, of resorting to racial stereotypes um or at the very least like giving their those characters like a darker complexion as opposed to the light skin lighter skinned um protagonists so i'm thinking jafar and aladdin who was kind of this like stereotypical hook-nosed um arab and even in the animated version of milan you know the huns were like shrouded it, it's like a dark cloud followed them constantly they had like no color to them whatsoever so yeah dark versus light that's like a trope that disney has dabbled in quite a lot and they've had they've received a lot of flack for it right because there's like some racial colorist components mm -hmm. like elements to that essentially yeah definitely yeah so i spoke with Jeanette Ng, a hong kong born writer based in the uk who was actually one of the first people to highlight and write about the substantial ideological influences of the film she told me that the racial undertones were significantly reflecting a certain Chinese narrative regarding Muslims. Once you start writing a story about your heroine is protecting this country and there's these slightly swarthy invaders and they're completely dressed in black, they've got a black face covering, they're like jumping around like ninjas, they come from a sort of generic Middle Eastern deserty place. And then it kind of very fits into that niche of Islamophobia, which again coincides with the whole cultural genocide, Islamophobia thing that's going on in China, because 
they're very into justifying these concentration camps because oh yes some terrorism happened once therefore and it's you know it's, it's that war on terror rhetoric and i think disney they've accidentally just aligned it with that and once you sand away you know anything that makes the story more human more nuanced and more interesting which is what you end up taking out when you're starting to self-censor that's just what happens and and this script has almost certainly also gone through the censorship ringer a couple of times and when censorship comes along what, what they do is they sand away just little lines little nuances they don't often ask you to completely change what's going on so you're just left with something that's increasingly generic this great orientalist edifice of isn't china great so there's a reason why china had a heavy hand in the film's production um, and that is because disney really wanted to guarantee a successful release in the country so there's a history behind that disney's 1998 Mulan film, the animated one, uh, performed rather poorly in China and was initially barred from even being screened there uh, because the Disney essentially released a film the year prior uh, about China's occupation of Tibet, which really, you know, angered. It was kind of just like retribution for that movie to just bar Mulan. Mm -hmm. And so they essentially wanted to make up for that. So according to the Wall Street Journal, Disney worked closely with China's government, all the while striving to present a main character and storyline faithful to Chinese values. And Disney also apparently shared the script with Chinese authorities while consulting with local advisors on, I guess, the creative direction of the movie. So apparently Disney executives were also pretty adamant about having Yu Yifei star as Mulan. She is essentially kind of a silver screen darling in China and would have performed, you know, really well with Chinese audiences. And this is not the first time Beijing influenced Hollywood's filmmaking decisions. So, then that is because China is known to leverage access to its very lucrative domestic market in exchange for support of its policies. Writer Jeanette Ng argued that the story of Mulan has changed over the years by being taken over by different cultures and communities. She agrees that in Disney's recent remake of the story, China's influence dictated the movie's final cut in order to promote a certain type of national narrative. Part of the idea that the Mulan film indulges in is kind of, it just opens with, you know, the Silk Road, Northwest China. And it's just implicitly, this is China. This is part of China. That language creeps into how people talk about China as though it is this, this continuous, inalienable force where these places have always belonged to China, as, the, as though Xinjiang, um, you know, East Turkestan wasn't a colony. And, and the thing about Mulan is it's, it's a very malleable story. Um, so the 6th century Mulan, um, that's the earliest recorded version we have of the ballad. She's implicitly not Han in it. Now, once we hit the 20th century, she becomes more explicitly Han as she is embraced by the kind of dominant women's liberation movements within China as this kind of icon of women going into battle. And so she kind of gets folded into the kind of Han myth. And we tell stories of her as a Han woman. When we are looking at Han hegemony in China, it's un comfortable to notice that kind of the way her story got co-opted and folded into this mythology and you know early versions of her story it's much more about the idea of sacrifice isn't for her country but for just her father that distinction where the sacrifice for your parents becomes the sacrifice for your country again is a very interesting shift in the meaning of Mulan and again the folding of her into that kind of nationalist myth and in some ways 
Disney's um, 2020 Mulan is, is almost like the, the final form of that story. So according to a 94-page study by PEN America, and PEN America is a freedom of expression organization, studios and filmmakers have consistently changed cast, plot, dialogue, and settings to avoid antagonizing Chinese officials. So those changes were enacted in films such as Iron Man 3, World War Z, and the upcoming Tom Cruise classic, Top Gun, Maverick. In 2016, the screenwriter on Doctor Strange um, said that the filmmakers had had to scrub a central character of his Tibetan origins. Tibet being another minority in China that wants independence, wants to secede from China, um, and wants its human rights to be respected. You know, that character was switched from Tibetan to Celtic, which is wow. like, you're not even, that is such a vast, oh like, reach. You're not even yeah. in Asia anymore. <laughs> that is, that's, that's like some matrix avoidance of, you know, offending Beijing. And other examples include apparently LGBT content was scrubbed from Bohemian Rhapsody, a Star Trek movie, and Alien Covenant, um, and also Cloud Atlas. And there were also scenes where Chinese people were killed that were edited out of Skyfall and Mission Impossible 3. This is all just very fascinating. Yeah, so these are like major blockbuster movies. And so I think it, I think as a viewer, it becomes difficult to always know which one's you should boycott or you shouldn't boycott if, if you even agree with boycotting or don't agree with boycotting. So Jeanette Ng had her own take on this. I'm not that emotionally invested in people not watching the movie so much as I want to use the fame of this movie to get people to talk about genocide, to talk about Hong Kong, to talk about human rights abuses in China. Um, mm. You know, these, these kind of very big topics, because I have observed that it's very easy for people to think about these things as happening very far away, very disconnected from their daily lives, that doesn't really impact them. Mulan, the movie, because it's so big, because Disney has invested so much money in it, we could just hijack that conversation. And I think that has worked to an extent. The money to Disney, the boycott, that that's just the beginning for me. But, you know, it's like if you've watched this movie or you mean to watch this movie and you're feeling guilty, don't just wallow in that guilt. Just do something. <laughs> like, mm. tell your friends about this. You know, share an article about it. You mm. know, next time you go to a protest, write it on a sign. Mm -hmm. Call your representatives or, you know, MPs if you have any. It's, it's just showing you how close and how connected the world is. Thank you for listening to the New Arab Voices News Digest. This episode was hosted and produced by Gaia Karamatsa and myself, Daniel Hejjaji. Don't forget to follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. 